Okay, next up is Angie. Um, so Angie is also one of our um, presenters. He com comes from, from academia. Um, he's a first-year PhD student at the African Institute of Financial Markets and Risk Management at GCT. He's completed an MPhil in Maths of Finance and prior to that did an um, actuarial qualification in sort of business science. Um, yeah, and I suppose as part of his master's degree, he completed a minor dissertation entitled Latent State and Parameter, Estimas Parameter Estimation of Stochastic Volatility Jump Models via Particle Filtering. And he's going to share some of that with us now. Thanks very much. Thank you very much for having me. Um, uh, as you said, my name is Andrew. I'm at the African Institute of Financial Markets and Risk Management at UCT. Uh, I work with uh, Mario. Um, and so today I'm going to be talking to you about my uh, master's research in uh, latent or hidden state uh, and parameter estimation uh, using particle filtering. And so my work was predominantly in uh, stochastic volatility and jump, model, uh, jump models um, where we put a lot of emphasis on the idea of sort of simultaneous estimation of latent states and parameter estimation. Um, today I'm going to be giving you sort of like just a, a brief overview on how particle filtering works and, and sort of the, the paradigm in which we could potentially uh, do simultaneous estimation. Um, please forgive me, this is actually the first time I'm ever presenting um, in front of an audience this big, so you're going to have to forgive me if I appear a little bit. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Okay. Okay, so the outline of my talk, um, so I'm just going to give you an introduction to filtering. So the filtering problem, um, what it means to estimate latent states and parameters. Then I'm going to give you a sort of also then an overview of uh, what particle filtering is. Uh, and then I'm going to work, work you through some uh, very basic implementations. And so the implementations that I'll be going, going through are sort of in, in, in sort of my field, which is more sort of uh, the uh, financial mathematics, so it's going to be uh, to do with option pricing and, and stock prices, but they can, they're really, they can work with any uh, stochastic model that you have that has uh, sort of underlying drivers in it. Um, but I'll talk about this. Okay, so the introduction to my talk. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the, what the filtering problem is. So the idea of filtering is we want to separate um, an unobservable hidden state um, from, a, from a source of noise. The idea is that we, we gather these series of observations um, which could potentially have an underlying structure to it or it could just be white noise. And so we want to be able to say, well, can we actually try and uh, identify what these underlying sources, uh, sources of randomness to them are? Um, and so this has several different applications. It actually uh, was sort of first uh, pioneered uh, in the engineering literature and then it sort of it then spread out into uh, the finance literature. And so it's used in GPS, uh, signal processing, air, trough, air tracking uh, processing, and then uh, for, uh, for more particular to what I do, it's in, um, to separate sort of model implied noise from a series of, say, stock prices or option prices or any, any um, observable um, series that we can guard and, and, and look. And so why I say model implied is if we say, well, we assume that some kind of stochastic volatility or stochastic intensity or... Uh, stochastic interest rate models say we want to then be able to take what we can actually observe and try and separate out those uh, those sources of noise which which we assume govern the, the processes that we can see. Um, and then so furthermore, what we'd also like to try and do, um, unfortunately, uh, the, 
the point where I got to in my research, I, I wasn't, we weren't actually able to do this simultaneously. We weren't actually able to both estimate the latent states and the model parameters, but I sort of set out a nice framework in which we can do one with the other, but, or, or we could separate model parameters knowing latent states or separate latent states knowing parameters, but unfortunately we couldn't actually do them together. But there is a, a fairly large bank of literature which does show that it is possible. And in my conclusion, I'll go through sort of sort of my hypothesis on why we couldn't do it and, uh, and further research that could be done to actually do it. And so, yeah, so that's, so ideally we'd like to learn model parameters. Uh, and so in the, part, in the filtering uh, sort of space, that equates to actually treating our model parameters themselves as latent states, which, which, which we think of as evolving through time, but what, what are actually constant. And so we're hoping that through time, as we start estimating our model parameters, they'll sort of converge to one, one steady state, which we would then take as our as our, as our model parameter. Uh, and then there's other uh, nice uh, byproducts of particle filtering in particular, which allow us to detect and uh, test validity of certain, certain models. Okay, so let's move on to what exactly particle filtering is. Um, and so the, so the definition of particle filtering is it's a sequential Monte Carlo method uh, used for filtering uh, any non-linear or non-Gaussian stochastic model. And so this differs from the sort of uh, classic deterministic filters, such as the common filter and its extensions, uh, that uh, generally only work in sort of uh, very linear Gaussian models. Um, and so the algorithm, uh, I've just uh, laid the four sort of primary stages out here, but we'll go through, go through them in a little bit more detail later on. But those include uh, propagation, measurement, prediction, and updates. Um, the algorithm itself relies on certain uh, prior information uh, such as the distribution of our latent states, uh, some kind of measurement equation where we can measure the influence of our latent states on the observed process. Um, um, and so, yeah, so the, the, the end, our sort of end goal when we, when we get to particle filtering to try and solve the filtering problem is that what we're going to end up with is, or what we're hoping to end up with is actually a series of distributions of our hidden state process as we move through time. And so unlike the um, deterministic filters, which would give you a point estimate of the process that we're trying to estimate, we actually get an entire distribution. So if we wanted just a point estimate, we could just take the mean of that distribution. But let's say, example, we want to say a function of that, we want an estimate of the function of that process, we can use our estimated distribution to actually give us an estimate of that function. Okay, so now I'll go through sort of a basic implementation of particle filtering to try and explain it a little bit better. Okay. So, so the context that we're going to be working in is, so let's, let's suppose that we have a model of this form where X in this case is a process which we can go out and observe. We can actually gather a series of, um, of observations of X and our model implies that X uh, is governed by some function of itself at the previous time point, um, some unobservable state, which we then want to estimate the Z process uh, and, and then a series of parameters, which I just clumped together into this capital theta, which we just say are, are all the model parameters uh, it, for both. And then we say that our unobserved process, the Z function, is again a function of just itself and the model parameters. So the Z we can't see. Okay. And so I've said here that F and G are possibly nonlinear functions, and um, which we are happy to deal with in the particle in particle filtering. And so furthermore, if we I uh, can observe these, uh, if, if we can observe this stock price XT, then we could possibly um, price some kind of derivative price. Here I've just said we could price an option price based on 
uh, the observations of X and Z in this case. Okay, so just a basic example of how this actually works is let's, let's consider a simple example where we could actually go out and observe a series of option prices, um, but we weren't actually able to observe the stock price which implied those option prices, and we wanted to somehow filter out those stock prices. So if you imagine from the previous slide, our observed processes, the option prices, and our unobserved processes are the share prices which determine those option prices. And so here I've just, this is basically just an implementation of the algorithm and uh, yeah, so I'll go through a little bit more detail how the algorithm actually worked, but at the end of the day what we get is we get just the basically, the, the dotted line here is, is sort of our estimated stock price where the blue line is the actual simulated stock price that we tried to recover. Okay, and so the context that I sort of did a lot of my research in um, was on the filtering of uh, stochastic volatility and, and uh, more, in particular, uh, stochastic volatility with jump, uh, jump processes involved. Um, and so the, in that context, we have a series of, say, stock prices and option prices, say, and we want to then filter out um, the volatility process, which our model implies uh, uh, it, our, is the model implied a sort of source of randomness in our observed process? Um, and then later on, uh, we then ask if it's possible to filter out both the unobserved process and the model parameters themselves, uh, uh, knowing just, just, just the observed process. Okay, so from here on out, uh, we'll just be working uh, to sort of illustrate the, how, how the algorithm works and, um, and it gives a sort of more, uh, an easier way to, to understand the algorithm. But, but from here on out, we're just going to be working on a simulated data set. So the idea is that if we have a model for both our observed and, ob and unobservable processes, we could go and simulate uh, uh, an instance of both X and Z in this case. Uh, and then we, what we would then say is, well, let's, pretend like we don't have the Z and we actually want to then go and recover the Z knowing only X and because we do actually know what the real value of Z is, we can check to see how accurate our, our filtering technique uh, was. So yeah, we hope, to, we hope that the estimated path, um, the, the output of our algorithm um, when looking at Z will be close to the actual simulated path. Okay, so as I mentioned at the start, uh, there is certain prior information that we need uh, when we begin uh, the latent state estimation and the parameter estimation. Uh, and so what we need is we need, well, first of all, for our, uh, for our unobservable process, uh, we need an initial distribution for our um, unobserved process. Um, I mean, most often we just have sort of one, one particular value that we would assign our unobserved process at the start of our algorithm, and so the initial distribution is not too necessary, but uh, we can do that in general. We then also need a transition distribution for our uh, unobserved process, uh, and then with the transition distribution, we need a measurement equation. And so the measurement equation I have there, you can think of it as a sort of just assigning, uh, assigning the likelihood of observing uh, the the uh, unobserved process that we've now estimated given what we can see about the observed process. And so the idea behind that is that when we then come to the algorithm, what we're going to do is we're going to simulate um, 
what's called a, a swarm of the unobserved processes and then use the measurement equation to go and assign a weight to each, simu to each uh, simulated uh, unobserved process, uh, which we then can use uh, to formulate the distribution of our unobserved process through time. Okay? Um, and then furthermore, if we, are now, if we want to move on to parameter estimation, uh, we need, again, we need a prior distribution for our parameter set. Um, and then from there, we need a way of updating our parameter estimates as we move through time. And so you can think of that as, well, if we, if we, have, if we have an estimated uh, unobserved process and we have an observed process, we can possibly use some kind of max maximum likelihood estimate to come up with an update of what our parameters are, uh, or we could make use of some kind of uh, Bayesian posterior estimates, um, making use of our prior distribution of our parameter set. Uh, or, because we're, actually simulate, because we're actually estimating distributions through time and not point estimates, we could actually just simulate the parameters in the next step using the distribution that we estimated in the previous step. Uh, and so this, that, all three of these methods are uh, investigated in, in, in my dissertation. Uh, I'm not going to go through too much detail in this presentation. Um, and there is also a bank of literature supporting each one of these. Okay, so this, so here's, an, here's the overview of the algorithm that I used uh, to give you guys the example with the option prices being observed and the stock prices being unobserved. So here uh, we've just initialized, so uh, ignoring any kind of initial distribution and just setting both values to uh, some fixed value. And here we're trying to, we're actually trying to filter out the log stock price just because uh, in the Black-Scholes framework the log stock price is often easier to work with, uh, and so, at, so what we're so okay. So the so the algorithm works as follows. As we move, so so capital M here are the number of simulated uh, instances of our unobserved process we would do at each time point, and our capital N here are the number of time points that we want to move through. So you can think of capital or, or not think of capital N is. The, the number of observations you have of your observed process. And so at each observation, we want to try and estimate what the uh, unobserved process was that, that was the driver towards the observed process. Okay? Um, so the first stage, uh, the propagation stage, so that means, so, so that entails us simulating a swarm, so uh, simulating capital M number of our unobserved processes uh, at a particular time point using our transition distribution that we uh, that is part of our prior knowledge set then with that we can come up with uh, the using our measurement equation we can then come up with sort of uh, the likelihood of observing each one of those uh, each each uh, estimated value in our swarm of unobserved process uh, in our unobserved estimates then with those likelihoods, we can then come up with a weight, which we then assign to each uh, member of our swarm. Then once we have those weights, we can then re-weight our swarm of uh, unobserved uh, uh, estimations in order to get the distribution of our, our unobserved process. And now we can do this throughout time, and what we're left with is we're left with a distribution 
of each of our, of our unobserved process as we move through time. Okay? Um, and so, yes, that's what I've said at the end here. I've said that we're left with, at each time, uh, we're left with sort of an, an empirical estimate of what the distribution is of our unobserved process. Okay. Okay, so, so, yes, yeah, so, so, so in, in, my, in my research, as I said, I, I was uh, interested in filtering volatility and jumps. And so the first graph I have here is, uh, an ex is one particular instance of our algorithm uh, applied in uh, a, a, a stochastic volatility model. I think I included on the next slide. Um, where, so so in, in this case, we're actually trying, we're trying to um, estimate the volatility process. And so what we're seeing here is something that actually is quite intuitive in a sense because our blue line here is what the actual simulated process was uh, which drove our so, so it's the actual instance of our unobserved process and the orange line is the estimated process which we which we got from the particle filtering algorithm and uh, as you can see it gets it's incredibly volatile in the beginning uh, or, or not so much it's quite volatile in the beginning and the volatility kind of sort of drops off uh, as we move forward through time. And this, this makes intuitive sense because as we move through time, we're able to incorporate more information about our observed process. So, at, so near, near the end, we, know we, are, we have observed a lot of our observed process and so our, our estimates become, become far, far more accurate and so our, our, sort of our variance of our empirical distribution is a lot lower uh, as we move through time. So move, moving on to the estimates of the jump process. Um, so the jump process uh, estimates look like this, and the, these estimates weren't too satisfying. It, I mean, they were nice in the sense that we were kind of uh, getting the right, uh, the right times. And, and so or what you're seeing here is, is the blue lines are the actual jump, uh, are, are the jumps that uh, uh, were implied in the model. And... Um, uh, the, the dotted lines are, are trying to estimate not only the time at, with, at which the jump occurred, but also the size of the jump. And so it's, they're, 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 they're all right. They, they, they get the right time, but they, 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 mis, they miscalculate the magnitude of the jump uh, slightly. Um, and so I've just also included the model at the end, just so you can see what, uh, what kind of framework we're working in. So we have a stochastic volatility model for our uh, X process here, where the stochastic volatility is our Z process, uh, and it's, it's, it's driven like such, where these uh, epsilons are just normally n normal random variables. Okay, now if we move on to uh, trying to... Okay, so, so let me just remind you where we're trying to go. So, so right now we've, we've come up with a, a way of getting our latent states uh, given... Our observe, uh, given a series of observes, observed states, um, but what we're really trying to get is that we'd like to actually be able to estimate not only the Z process, but also be able to estimate each of those model parameters uh, in our model. So if we, so where we want to go from here is we want to try and incorporate sort of a Bayesian framework. So I've just included this slide just as a sort of uh, reminder uh, that so at each time point, what we can do is we can come up with a sort of 
a posterior distribution of our parameter set, having known our, having knowing what our observed process is, uh, and we would just use uh, Bayes' theorem like, uh, like so. And so this gives us a way of sampling our parameter set uh, at each time, time point, uh, and then using those parameters that we've now sampled uh, in our swarm to then come up uh, with a likelihood of observing each of those parameters. So it's very similar to the latent state. Uh, the, the, the similarity here being that this, uh, this new distribution that we get from Bayes' theorem is essentially our transition distribution for our parameter set. Okay, and so using uh, this coupled with the likelihood factorization theorem, it decomposes the uh, parameter estimation and hidden state estimation, and it, it sort of separates them. So we're able to actually um, uh, es try and estimate our hidden state process, and then w using that, we can then uh, try and estimate our parameters, uh, hopefully simultaneously. Okay, so the... So the results that I have for this particular model are, are two of them are quite satisfactory. The other two are not so much. So the, the graphs that I'm showing you here are from the same model, but in this case we're trying to simulate, uh, we're trying to estimate the, the parameters theta, kappa, sigma, and mu. And so you can see the left two graphs appear to um, explore the state space quite widely in this, at the start when not much is known about the observed process, but as we then move through time and we are able to gather more information, uh, they sort of calm down and tend towards uh, the true parameter which we actually knew because we're working on this uh, simulated data set. Uh, the right two graphs don't really uh, appear to really have any nice convergence. Uh, maybe the bottom one would have gotten there eventually if we had extended time a bit more. Um, but yeah, as I said, as I've, as I've mentioned, unfortunately, we weren't actually able to do these simultaneously. So the res results that I'm showing you are actually having set the jump process and the stochastic volatility to be the original processes. So we're actually not estimating them. We're assuming they are known and we're wanting to get the model parameters. So what I've shown you, the two sets of graphs that I've shown you are now um, knowing model parameters, can we get to latent states? And knowing latent states, can we get to model parameters? And so at the start, when, I, when uh, myself and my supervisor set out to do this research, we really hoped that we would, or at least I would be able to do, this, do these two things simultaneously, but unfortunately we weren't. And so uh, I'd like to conclude my talk with just uh, sort of some, uh, like a hypothesis on why I think I wasn't able to do this. Okay. So... To conclude uh, everything that I've done, so, the, my, so the, my dissertation really was just to formulate a simple and easy-to-implement algori easy algorithm uh, for filtering uh, latent states and estimating parameters in a stochastic volatility uh, jump model. Um, but obviously, in practice, uh, how in practice we'd like to do these we'd like to do simultaneous estimation, um, and so I would I, my guess at least is that we could possibly conclude uh, further research um, to try and get to the simultaneous estimation and I hypothesize that, well first of all, if in the examples that I've shown you we're only considering 
a one-dimensional observable process. So it's quite simple in that we're just saying, well, if we can see the stock price and we have a model for the stock price, can we get to the, to the volatility process and can we get to the model parameters? But what if we incorporated more into our observed process? So instead of just observing one stock price, we observe 10 of them or 10 stock prices coupled with five option prices coupled with who, who knows what. But if we could augment more information into our observe process to then try and filter out all these various uh, states that we're uh, wanting, uh, that should you know, intuitively yield better results. Um, secondly, I think, uh, so I, in, in my paper, I include quite a lot of sort of uh, rigor into deriving the Bayesian posterior distributions for each of the parameters uh, in the model that I showed you, but I think more could could have been done there uh, in terms of uh, marginalizing out uh, more uh, marginalizing out uh, more uh, states that we're trying to estimate. So you can imagine that um, when we get to calculating our Bayesian posterior distributions, we have a dependence on states that we're trying to estimate, which is never ideal if you're trying to if you're conditioning on something that you've already tried to estimate, so it's not something you're not conditioning on something that's observable. So ideally, I'd like to go put more effort into marginalizing, marginalizing these distributions so that we're only conditioning on something that we can actually see, not necessarily something that we have to estimate. Um, and then finally, possibly these are just kind of uh, shots in the dark, but maybe using some kind of smoothing on the parameter estimates to disallow explosion of variance uh, because often we saw that when we tried to, when you did actually try and do simultaneous estimation of both the hidden states and parameters, the, S, the, the distributions of the parameters never calmed down. They were just too big and the, 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 or the variance of the distributions were just too big and the variance never calmed down. So we were never able to get an accurate point estimate. If we ran the simulation twice, the values of the parameters uh, according to our algorithm would be vastly different. Um, and so obviously that's not ideal. Uh, and then finally, more may, potentially more informative prior distributions that we give to uh, in, our, in our calculation of the Bayesian, uh, of the posterior distributions of our parameter set. Um, but yeah, so, so all in all, I think uh, we're relatively or quite happy with the the uh, results in the hidden state estimation in the, uh, i.e. coming up with the estimates of the, uh, the stochastic volatility and the jump process, I think that was quite successful and the, the, the model was quite easy to implement. It was just then moving on to the parameter estimation which uh, didn't work out so well. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it, thank you for listening. Are there any questions from the team? Okay. Thanks for the talk. Uh, I have two comments to make. Um, I faced similar problems in my PhD when I was using particle filtering and also um, parameter est static parameter estimation, and also found that it was a, a challenging task. Um, I see from the look of your the algorithm that you showed us seemed to be the bootstrap particle filter. So the first question was just um, did you maybe consider 
um, like an auxiliary particle filter or the uncentered particle filter. I'm sure you're aware there's quite a variety of, of different variations that can help in certain instances, you know, when if you have a lot of particle degeneracy. And yeah. so maybe to also kind of identify, is it a degeneracy problem? That because you're increasing the dimensionality, it, it could be um, a problem there. Um, yeah, and then just my second comment um, would be perhaps have you, I'm not sure if, you're, if you've heard of particle Markov chain Monte Carlo, which is an approach which seems to work quite well for um, the joint state estimation and the, okay. the parameter estimation, but it's, it's offline. So I don't know if it also depends on if you'd like to you know, filter in real time or if you can do like batch processing, but as you mentioned, the, the smoothing, be doing more of a batch approach, then I think yeah, you'll probably have better chances. Okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe to answer the second question first, I haven't. I have, we haven't considered the particle MCMC uh, filters. I've read a little bit about them, but and we haven't actually tried implementing that. Um, the first question. Uh, it's a good question. We did. We did sort of shop around quite a bit to looking at the various algorithms, but the. It, the, the decision in, or the decision uh, just mostly for this presentation and um, in the paper we do kind of explore uh, various other algorithms but our, our main results were centered around um, the work done by uh, Andrew Galatly who uses the who uses the uh, uh, the, the, the bootstrap filter uh, for simultaneous estimation um, in also in the in stochastic volatility jump process and manages to do the model parameters at the same time. So I mean, at the start of the present, uh, at the start of my research, you know, at this, I saw this paper and saw the filter, the algorithm that they're using and thought, well, this shouldn't be too difficult. They seem to ma they managed to do it right, but yeah, we just couldn't. So uh, that's not a very good answer, but that's <laughs> okay. Since it's your first time, let's make it a bit more fun. Um, now, I just want to check. Um, I'm used to now the more traditional time series models where you need on the left-hand side and right-hand side two stationary models where the trend is removed. Otherwise, you, you might find a good fit, but it might just be spurious. You might prices go up generally, stocks in London goes up, so you, you'll find a good fit. So usually you difference. So in your model, it looks like you work with the actual prices, or is there a differencing somewhere in the modeling? Or is that an issue in this kind of modeling? So we're working with the log, the, the log prices. So it is a, it's, you know, it is, in itself a difference model. Um, I don't quite, I don't quite understand your question, because uh, in the in the sense, this is we're, we're discretizing a continuous time model, and so we're just taking, in this particular example, was the Bates stochastic volatility model. So we're just taking that, discretizing it, and then seeing what we can do with that. I don't know if that answers your question. Maybe we can chat afterwards. Yeah, we can. Yeah, I think maybe I don't understand enough of the model. Thank you. Okay. Okay, I think on that note, we'll probably break for, for tea. But thank, thanks very much for, for choosing us as your audience to, to test drive, drive your, your, your presentation of your work. And we really appreciate you being here. Thanks very much. Thank you.